Welcome to the 122nd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk in depth about college basketball action and take a quick sneak peek at our view of what the NCAA tournament's top 16 seeds should be. Let's jump right in with a look back at college basketball action from last week, starting with the upsets. Patrick? Memphis beat number six Houston 69 to 59 on the road. Not even a home upset for the unranked Tigers, who of course started the year in the top 15. Actually, might have been ahead of Houston. Not quite sure on that, but uh, they've been playing well recently. They've worked their way back onto the bubble, and not only have they worked their way back on back onto the bubble, they've actually worked their way back into the projected field at this point. So Memphis having a good turnaround. And speaking of teams with good turnarounds. After uh, three ridiculously bad losses at the beginning of the year uh, to Lafayette and to some other teams that I I can't even remember, honestly, Rutgers has now beaten four straight ranked teams. This was just one of them. Beating number 14, Wisconsin, 73-65 on the road last Sunday. They would actually follow this up with another win later in the week that we'll talk about in a second, and obviously had two more ranked wins before that, that being Michigan State and Ohio State the week before, but... Rutgers has really turned it up recently, and they just keep playing better and better and better. And they have also worked themselves from out of the bubble, out of the picture entirely, to not only on the bubble, but now probably maybe even into the buys territory of the bracket. Uh, but moving on from that, Butler beat number 18 Marquette 85-79. to Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown are currently sitting at the bottom of the Big East, but DePaul playing better recently not exactly translating into a lot of wins, but some close games against some better teams. And Butler pulls off this upset against Marquette, who had previously been on pretty big surge up until the last few games against UConn, and then this slip-up here against Butler. This is a pretty bad loss for Marquette. Does not look great on their resume. They were probably looking at maybe even jumping up into the four seeds earlier this week. And then this loss, or, well, I guess last week, earlier last week, before the loss to UConn, too. If they had taken that win, they might even be looking at a three-seed if they were able to hold this game and the the Butler game and that UConn game down. But unfortunately, losing both of them now really kind of out of that picture. Definitely won't be in the committee's top 16 uh, tomorrow, which we'll get to later. But after that, number 16, Tennessee, beat number four, Kentucky, 76-63. to 63. This was an upset by ranking, not actually by Vegas. Actually, Vegas did have Tennessee favored at home because I think everybody knew at some point Regardless of how great this team, this Kentucky team is, and I think they're great, they're almost due for a loss. You know, they got the, the crazy win, a big win on the road at Kansas. Uh, Tennessee getting revenge, though, earlier in the year for a loss that they had at Kentucky, and Kentucky absolutely killed Tennessee the first time they played them. But uh, I guess everybody kind of figured that Tennessee might turn it around. Typically, it's actually it's kind of weird, but in college basketball, I feel like every single time a team beats a team on at home by a lot, with they go later in the year to play that same team, they normally actually end up losing, even though, you know, three or four weeks prior, it looked like they were worlds better than them. All of a sudden, back down to earth, they're actually on the same level. But Tennessee definitely exacting their revenge in this rivalry matchup. Moving on to a non-rivalry matchup, Penn State beat number 19, Michigan State, 62-58. to Michigan State had a 14-point lead in this game. If you have a 14-point lead and the winning team only scores 62 points, with 120 combined points, you really did a lot to blow that lead, and they just let Penn State get on a big run, and the game just kind of got out of their control. So Michigan State, uh, really, after having a great start to the season and really 
not necessarily coming out of nowhere because a lot of people were questioning why they were unranked. They were only unranked by, I think, one spot. I think they were the unofficial 26th ranked team. But the reality is everybody was thinking, yeah, they're definitely a ranked team, but I don't think anybody ever saw this team as maybe national title contenders or Final Four contenders. I don't think many people ever said that. I definitely didn't say that. I thought they might be Sweet 16 quality. I'm, I'm now leaning on backing off from that. I, I still think they, they'll be in the mix, and it depends on really who they get in their bracket. They definitely have uh, ways that they can, you know, exploit other teams' weaknesses with some strengths of their own, but I don't know if it'll necessarily make them entirely a successful team in the tournament, and, and it's not any guarantee anymore, honestly. At some point, I thought it was really not even matchup-based that they would get into the Sweet 16, but now it's looking like they got they, they to gotta have the cards. Uh, <laughs> they have to get a good hand of cards dealt to them, but... Let's talk about a team who has pretty much no cards to play with. New Mexico beat number 22, Wyoming, 75-66. to 66. Wyoming previously kind of cruising through the season, not really disturbed by anyone. Uh, e- even the better teams in the Mountain West, like Colorado State and Boise State, who are all projected to be in the tournament field, couldn't beat them. I think Colorado State's the only team that has beaten them this year in that conference. And then you have 11 and 14, well, actually 10 and 14 coming into the game. New Mexico coming out of nowhere to pull off this upset. Uh, just a bad look for Wyoming. Can't really say much else about it. But let's go back to the upset Kings. Rutgers claimed their fourth straight ranked victim, beating number 12, Illinois, 70 to 59 at home after beating Wisconsin on the road before that, after beating Ohio State at, in the middle of the week two weeks ago, I guess at this point, or a week and a half ago, uh, at home, and then after beating that Saturday, Michigan State at home. So a lot of wins in a row, all ranked. Uh, we'll see if Rutgers can continue that. If they, I mean, if they win out with the schedule that they have, they might even find their way all the way up at a five or a six seed. Uh, the only thing really holding them back are those really inexplicable losses that I was talking about earlier, and even not even some of the losses either, but also an overtime game at home against a team like Lehigh. That's not, you know, they had a terrible start to the season. And then, you know, some of their wins also have been picking up a lot. I mean, their Michigan win has become a quad one win with how well Michigan has been playing recently, actually, uh, because Michigan previously not top 30 in the net, but now they are as a result of recent wins, some of them including on the road against Iowa, which we're not going to talk about, so might as well mention it. But Rutgers really playing well recently. Uh, you can probably bank on them to keep getting some upsets in the future. Okay, let, that deals. Uh, that does it for the upsets. Let's go over to the close games. Number twenty-five Xavier beat number twenty-four UConn seventy-four to sixty-eight. Xavier, one of the weirder teams in the Big East. They're very unpredictable. I predicted against them because thought UConn could match up with them well, but all of a sudden Xavier Johnson, after not playing well for a while, just started raining in threes in this game. Really, just kind of reminiscent of honestly their entire season this year it's just it's been a weird one for Xavier where all of a sudden you think they're going to be really good and then they take some weird losses they stay ranked they're they're still a good team they've been a good team all year but they have some really weird and bad losses and then they have some great wins and then they just always find a way to follow it up with very bad performances so they're a hard team to judge but overall I think we can solidly say it's a top 25 team that is going to stay kind of on that board or not really move too far up into it and I don't really necessarily see them as a 316 caliber team, but uh, I talked about this game a little bit on the last podcast because I predicted it, so I'll move on from it now. Number 16, Ohio State beat Michigan 68-57. to 
That game was on the road. The uh, pretty much impossible to find road win in the Big Ten against a good team is what Ohio State was able to come up with the last weekend. Uh, it is important to note that Michigan had played three games in five days, and this was the third out of those five days. And, you know, coming off of a win at Penn State and then a giant win over Purdue, it's almost like they were destined for a letdown, I guess you can say. But, uh, you know, Michigan eventually bounced back, and as I mentioned already, beat Iowa on the road, and they were, I think, five or six-point underdogs in that game. So Michigan with a big win there. And, you know, whole Big Ten actually, after looking like they would have a bunch of top seeds and no bubble teams, you now have Rutgers and Michigan kind of breaking onto the bubble and making it look like it might be a nine-team league tying their own record that they set last year, uh, So, or the conference record for most teams uh, in the NCAA tournament. We, You never know, but uh, right now it's looking pretty good for Rutgers or for Michigan. They just have to win a few more games the rest of the season, and they should be in. But let's move on to a team who really keeps having to win. Uh, number eight, Kansas beat Oklahoma 71-69. to Oklahoma definitely needs some wins. They haven't gotten them recently. They once looked like a lock for the tournament, and now all of a sudden, other than their win against Texas Tech, which is really their saving grace, they've been in kind of a free fall recently. They've lost a lot of games. You know, they were beating good teams. It's not like they've run into a tougher part of their schedule. They've just had a consistently tough schedule all year long, but they have found ways to beat some of those good teams earlier in the year, but now they're starting to kind of not really even stay in those games. I mean, this game was them staying close for sure, but they ha- they have too many losses. They're they're definitely ending up on the bubble with uh, double-digit losses. It, it's getting a little bit too close for comfort there for a team that once was even in consideration for a 4 or 5 seed with a very strong resume and a lot of quality wins earlier in the year. But let's move on to number 11, Providence, who beat DePaul 76-73 in overtime. They are the close game kings. Uh, maybe the committee might say that they've been in too many of them to rank them so high, but at the same time, they keep winning them. Uh, So Providence escaping in a very, very close game, but they had a terrible start to this game and really controlled it after a bad start. But let's move on from that. Talked about this game a little bit already. Number 21, USC beat number 12, UCLA, 67 to 64. Actually, I think we talked about it already enough, so I'm not even going to talk about it that much, but that did happen. Keep that in mind. Number 15, Villanova beat Seton Hall 73-67. to Seton Hall has been a pretty good team all year. They also have a win at Michigan that's starting to look better and better. Actually, probably one of their best wins at this point in the year. Villanova continues to look good. Uh, they've looked better recently. They've got guys injured that have come back. Seton Hall played a really, 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 really good game. Uh, actually, most people probably thought this game was going to be somewhat close, but probably with a sizable margin of victory for Villanova. I wouldn't call six as big as I thought uh, that they were going to win by because it was at home. So I thought maybe, you know, if Seton Hall was at home in this game, they might have a chance to pull off an upset. It'd be a really close game. But with Villanova at home, you thought this might even turn into a blowout. But Seton Hall really kept it close. And I mean, they were winning for most of the game. And this game was... This game was back and forth. Seton Hall was up, I think, 52-45 to with maybe 12 or 13 minutes left in the second half. So they had their chances, but Villanova made some runs back, and it was really a cool, nice back-and-forth game, fun to watch. But let's move on from that to a team that, you know, didn't get much love early in the year, but now I'm here to keep giving them the love. Number 23, Murray State beat Moorhead State 57-53 to on the road. This game actually important because Moorhead State was second in that conference, I believe, before this game. So Murray State continuing to take care of business against anybody that comes in their path. 
24-2 on the year. Uh, now I think one of only five unbeatens in conference, I want to say, unless one of the uh, lesser-known conference uh, unbeatens has slipped up. Uh, Auburn was one of the six, but now it's only five with them losing. So Murray State doing something that not a lot of teams do, and uh, they might even finish the season undefeated in conference. Who knows? This was probably the toughest game they had left on their schedule, but I don't want to jinx them. Uh, Murray State definitely having a great year, but let's move on from that. Number three, Purdue beat Maryland 62-61. to Purdue really should not have let this game stay close. And not only that, they were lucky they came away with the win because they were losing by 12. Pretty, not necessarily late into this game, but in the second half. So, Purdue's starting to show, I guess, some signs of weakness, I guess, is really the best way I can uh, mention it. Because, you know, they got blown out by Michigan. And now, this game, they don't look so great, obviously, beating probably the, a bottom three team in the Big Ten by a very, 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 very small margin at home. And with not even with any injuries or really any things to point at, they weren't, I mean, maybe they were dealing with the same thing that Michigan was because this was their third game in six days. But I would say Thursday to Sunday is a pretty normal thing to go through in the Big Ten. So I don't really think you can make those excuses for them. So Purdue just not really playing their best game. Uh, they're lucky that Jay Nivey and Sasha Stefanovic got it going late in the second half to pull them back and uh, come through with the win. But let's move on from that to another Big Ten game. Number 13, Illinois, beat Northwestern 73-66. to I said this to you earlier, I don't think I've seen Northwestern lose a game by double digits like all this year, at least in the Big Ten play. It's crazy how close they stay, but yet not really pulling off many of those wins. The biggest win really an upset over Indiana, but uh, not definitely not really threats to get to the tournament unless they pull a run like Georgia Tech or... Oregon State or Georgetown did last year. Uh, otherwise, they're probably not. They're not going to be really in the conversation. But Illinois needing wins like this to. I mean, if you lose this game, you're definitely falling out of the top 16. So they need wins like this to stay in that conversation, stay in the conversation for some top seeds. But let's move from move on from that. Number 24, UConn beat St. John's 63 to 60 on the road in Madison Square Garden. A good win by UConn. St. John's made this really, really close. They actually, I think they were dueling 10-0 runs at some point in this game where I think St. John's was barely winning and then, or they were barely losing and they went on a 10-0 run and then UConn countered it with a 10-0 run of their own to take the lead and then eventually you ended up in a three-point game where St. John's actually had a chance to take a shot for the lead. So it's a really close game, a really fun game. It's always fun to watch college teams play in Madison Square Garden. But moving on from that, Number nine, Duke beat Wake Forest 76-74. to Had a little bit of a scare here for Duke because Coach Krzyzewski left in the middle of the game with an illness uh, and did not return to coach the second half. They don't know. I don't think they've given a status update on uh, his status for tomorrow at Florida State, or I guess it's at home against Florida State. But uh, they ended up pulling out the win still, even with that scare. I mean, Maybe they kind of let up a little bit because they were a little bit distracted in the second half because they were really in control of this game. It looked like they had heard the threat of Wake Forest and really started to take it seriously as probably the second best team in the ACC, which really isn't saying much this year. But I think they really, they felt like this game was going to be close. And then all of a sudden they just kind of, kind of turned it off, I guess. I don't really know how to describe it, but let's move on from that. Number 10, Villanova beat number eight, Providence. 89-84 to 84 on the road. 
Providence showing that they can make every game close, but finally some team beating them in a close game. Uh, look, Villanova, a really, really good team. This win cements that. I mean, they're, they're probably going to end up maybe even as a two seed by the end of the year. We'll see uh, if they can keep pulling off wins and end the year maybe with a win over Providence at home. That would be really, really helpful. They'd probably walk away Big East regular season uh, title winners anyway, so uh, that'd be a big win for them. But this one, definitely a big win already. So Villanova trending in the right direction, have been really for a while now. Let's move on to a team who had its rough patches and overall hasn't exactly been the most impressive, but a good team nonetheless. Number 15, Wisconsin, beat Indiana 74-69 on the road. Indiana actually three-point favorites in this game at home, but unable to pull off the win. This would have been a pretty big one for Indiana. I think this is one where if they had won it, they probably would have locked themselves into the tournament field as long as they took care of business later in the year, got a home win or two later. Because they now you look at their resume and they haven't really gotten good wins in a while. They lost to Michigan State on the road. They lost to Michigan at home. They've now lost to Wisconsin at home. They got the big win over Purdue, but since then, they really haven't been able to pull it together. Illinois killed them at home. So, obviously, all those teams we just mentioned are really, really good. Although, Michigan, obviously, a bubble team, so that's not a team that you want to lose to at home necessarily. But at the same time... They don't really have the wins to prop up a solid resume. They're all of a sudden falling onto the bubble, too. They might be the reason why the Big Ten actually only ends up with eight teams in the in the tournament. If they fall, find a way to fall into maybe a Rutgers or someone like that who might be on their schedule later on unexpectedly, that might seal their fate as not being in the tournament after looking like locks a long time ago. Let's move on to a team who's been doing the opposite, a team that not necessarily ever fell into the bubble, but fell down to maybe an 8 or a 9 seed and has really picked themselves back up. Number 20, Texas, beat Oklahoma 80-78 to in overtime. Look, Texas has been playing really, really well recently. Uh, the opposite of was uh, the opposite of Indiana, they've been looking great after, you know, slipping down a little bit. But they're finally now looking like the team that we expected them to be coming into the year with 10 or 11,000 plus points from transfers and even holdovers on their roster. You know, a new coach, a lot of transfers. This team took a while to kind of gel with each other and really figure out how it was going to work on the offensive end. They've been great on defense pretty much the entire year, but it now seems like they've finally started to figure out who they are and what their identity is and how who, who the ball goes to in late-game situations and how they're going to continue to operate on both ends of the floor and now they're starting to really build a strong resume, as the Big 12 allows you to do with some big wins. Uh, and that's how they've been playing recently a lot. So let's move on from them to number six, Purdue, who again starts to really look kind of weak again, beating Northwestern 70-64 to on the road. Again, I said it a thousand times, Northwestern keeps staying close in almost every game. But Purdue, they kind of need to start showing that dominant form that they had earlier in the year where any team that wasn't really on their level, they would beat pretty easily, pretty comfortably. And now all of a sudden, these games are all turning into close games. You have the blowout loss at Michigan to add into that. Then you have some other games at home, obviously the Maryland game that's too close for comfort. They are just not really playing as well as they were earlier in the year, and you'd like to see them turn that around soon before the NCAA tournament rolls around. But let's move on from them to number 24, UConn, who beat Seton Hall 70-65. to uh, A good game played by UConn to get this win against a tough team. All right, finally, let's move to some other important matchups from last week. Number two, Gonzaga beat number 22, St. Mary's, 74-58. to 
St. Mary's having a good year. The whole, the whole, honestly, conference overall of the WCC is having a good year. But, you know, we say it every year, Gonzaga still does not have anybody who can challenge them, even in a year where it looks like that conference is going to get possibly four teams into the tournament if BYU is able to hold on to their spot, although they're kind of trending downward, so maybe it's only going to be three with St. Mary's and uh, and Gonzaga and then also San Francisco, but we'll have to see what happens there. Let's move on from that. I did say Texas had been playing well recently. This game, not so much. Number 10, Baylor beat number 20, Texas, 80-63. to 63. The one game Texas doesn't play great defense. This is kind of what it ends up looking like. They're playing a team that plays good defense themselves, that being Baylor, and definitely a good offensive team in Baylor. So hard to win a game like that against a team like Baylor when you're not exactly playing your best and you're on the road. But let's move on from that. Number 17, Michigan State beat Indiana 76-61, to showing you kind of that collapse that I'm talking about with Indiana. This game really got away from them. It was close for a while, but... A lot of physical play, a lot of technicals, a lot of flagrants, a lot of uh, hard fouls that weren't flagrants, even a basically a punch thrown that actually wasn't even called anything because of how the game was being called. The refs let it get away from them, which has been a common theme of the Big Ten this season, um, and really Indiana let it get away from them, losing that game by a lot when the metrics really are not going to like that that happened. So you got to keep games close. I mean, you've, you've even seen coaches, including... Bill Self kind of keeps starters in the game until really a minute and a half, two minutes left in the game, not really caring about injuries when knowing that the metrics like it when you beat a team by 25 instead of by 18. Uh, and Indiana is kind of slipping off in both metrics and an eye test because these scores are not exactly that close. And even even a close loss at home to Wisconsin doesn't look great when, it was, when they were favored in the game and they were probably supposed to win that game. And Matched up pretty well with Wisconsin, but overall, I'll get off the topic of Indiana. Let's move on to some two better teams than uh, both of those teams I just mentioned. Number 11, Texas Tech beat number 7, Baylor, 83-73. to Texas Tech played a great game to get a good win over a great team. Overall, a great job by Texas Tech playing very, very well down the stretch of the season when it counts. Baylor still playing well, too, obviously, dealing with the injury to Jonathan Chamochachua, but Overall, I'd say playing well enough to be a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Well, you talk about uh, what the top seeds in the NCAA tournament might be. Let's move on from our look back at last week's college basketball action to a look forward to the NCAA tournament. Uh, This weekend, the NCAA will review its first preview of its bracket, uh, at least the top 16 overall team. So we figured we would do our own top 16 reveal based upon what we think uh, so far of the teams in the in the NCAA. Patrick, let's start with your top 16. I will go with Gonzaga at number one. Then I'll go with Auburn at number two, probably the number one overall seed for four or five weeks, honestly, until their recent slip up at Arkansas. Then you got to go with Arizona at three, uh, Kansas at four, although they do have a, head, a head-to-head loss at home to Kentucky, but overall, Kansas 8-3 and three in quad one. Kentucky only 5-5, five and five, so Kansas has a lot more quality wins, and overall, resume isn't defined by one win. Let's move, from, let's move on from that little log jam that I'm sure will be topic of a lot of discussion, honestly, tomorrow when, when the committee gives their reveal, and I'm sure they'll be asked about it if they end up with Kansas ahead of Kentucky. Number six, I'm going with Purdue, even though they've looked kind of weak recently. They haven't looked as weak as... Really, number seven, Duke has losing games at home to Virginia, to Miami, winning only by two against Wake Forest. I just don't see 
how you could, uh, yeah, Purdue's been playing close games recently, but most of them on the road in a much, 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 much tougher conference. Uh, and, you know, Duke only has four losses on the season in a good enough conference that you still have to hold their resume over a lot of other teams, including number eight, Texas Tech. And I put them just ahead of number nine, Baylor, just because of the fact that they just beat them. It's very close to not putting them there. Actually, the reason why they are here is because Illinois lost to Rutgers. If they had an Illinois would be ahead of, uh, Illinois would not have moved above Baylor for that win, but also Baylor would not move below Illinois, and thus I can't put Texas Tech above Illinois, but the Illinois loss opened the door for Texas Tech to be right next to Baylor, and when they beat them last week <laughs> by 10, you have to put them above them a little bit different than the Kansas-Kentucky situation when it was a long time ago. And then number 10, or number 9, I, I should say, I have Baylor right behind Texas Tech, like I discussed. Number 10, Villanova, uh, ahead of the team that they just beat. Number 11, Providence. Uh, and then behind Providence, I have number 12, Tennessee, who really didn't look like they were going to be on this line for a while, but recent wins and good, a, good, a really great win against Kentucky and the margin they beat Kentucky by has them up in the top 12, even now on the three-seed line. Then you got to go with UCLA at number 13, probably might even be Honestly, they might be higher than that in the committees either. Kind of hard to judge. A lot of the Pac-12 teams are. But moving on from that, I have Illinois at number 14, moving down because of their loss to records. Before that, I actually had them at 10 or 11. You could look at my most recent bracket to see that. And then I have Wisconsin at 15 and Texas sneaking in at 16, although it's a very tough discussion between Texas, Wisconsin, and Houston all for 15, 16, 17. So uh, that is how I have it currently. I don't exactly know what the committee will do, but we'll see tomorrow. And, I mean, I can run down my picks really quick, uh, starting 1, 2, 3, 4, Auburn, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky. So, you and I have Auburn and Gonzaga flip-flopped. I just I view this this week as a bump in the road for Auburn, them being the best team overall. I'm not going to penalize them for, for this late stumbles. Um, I You and I have Arizona 3. I have Kentucky slightly ahead of Kansas just because I can't get that beat down out of my mind. Um, Duke and Purdue, to be honest, uh, you watch more Duke games than I do. I see a Purdue team that should be a lot better, that has underperformed and won, lost some games they shouldn't have lost and won some games barely that they should have probably um, won, won a lot more. You mentioned one of their close wins here, the Ohio State game that came down to the wire that shouldn't have, the Michigan game at home that was extremely close that they really... The I Maryland think, game is the biggest example, obviously, because they're yeah, the worst team they've played all season yeah, pretty and, much. And, so. and Purdue, I think, getting the, really some of these games getting the benefit of a very favorable whistle or, in their case, absence of a whistle... Um, that, that allow them to win some of those games. So I, I just, I don't know, I, I, maybe I just have a thing for Purdue. Maybe it's recency bias seeing they've been If you watch some Duke games and saw their slip-ups, you might put them below yeah, them too. Probably, They're, I admit that. They both have weaknesses there. Um, and then I think we, we, I've got, uh, so we said Duke, Purdue, you and I have them flip-flop. We agree on nine, eight, nine, and 10, Texas, Baylor, Villanova. Texas Tech. Talk, sorry, Texas Tech, Baylor, Villanova. Um, and then I go with UCLA at 11, and I know the Pac-12 is not a great conference, and they've looked god-awful at some times. But um, I just, and maybe this is, again, thinking about the team last year. For some reason, I think they're well-coached. Um, I think they've got a lot of talent. Um, and I, I just, splitting hairs between them, Tennessee, and Illinois, frankly, I would have had Illinois a, a lot higher if not for their last week, like you mentioned. So ultimately, I have UCLA at 11, Tennessee at 12, had Illinois slip down to 13, then your favorite team in the rankings, Providence at 14. Um, 
I, I don't, there's no, it's hard to quibble between what I think are the 11, 12, 13, and 14 teams. We all, you and I have the same teams in different order. Providence is still a little bit of a weaker conference, although then again, maybe it isn't weaker than the Pac-12 now that I look at it. Yeah, the Big East definitely better than the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, okay, so I'm wrong, but too bad I cast it in stone already. Um, and then I round out my top 16 with Texas at 15. You have them at 16. Um, and then I have Houston at 16. I You have Wisconsin at 15. I can't bring myself to put Wisconsin um, as one of the top 16 teams in the country. Uh, they play in a tough conference. They win ugly. They lose really ugly. Um, and I, I just don't think that they are a top 16 team. I'd probably put some other Big Ten teams ahead of them. Maybe Michigan State, but I'm not going to do that. So let's just go with Houston, the top team from a weaker conference. I think, really, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, alluded to it. I think the only points where I would argue with you are really just you watching too many Big Ten games and not watching the other conferences because you have the eye test on these teams and you say, you know, you kind of go blindly and say, yeah, I don't think Illinois can be that good. I don't think Wisconsin can be top 16. But if you've seen Houston play recently and you've seen Texas overall, you really kind of have to put Wisconsin above them, even with ugly wins. The resume is there, and honestly, Texas has won a lot of ugly games too, including, I mean, they only beat Oklahoma by two on the road, and they've been playing terribly recently. So, And by the way, Kansas kind of fits that mold too, so I'll, I'll throw that on my pick there. But yeah, I mean, I think really most of these are odd things that can come down to head-to-head. You even have Villanova and UCLA right next to each other, and then you made the argument that Kentucky has to be ahead of Kansas. Recently. and. Now you got UCLA over Villanova. You kind of have to because they beat them. But that's the odd thing about the bracket. And honestly, it can really go either way. And also, Duke has also beaten Kentucky, who beat, or sorry, Duke beat, yeah, no, Duke beat Kentucky, who beat Kansas. So frankly, they should be out of all three or all two of the other ones. And, And there was a point where when the resumes were very, very similar to each other, and right after Kentucky had beaten Kansas, Duke leapfrogged both of them because they had to be ahead of Kentucky and Kentucky had to be ahead of Kansas. But then all of a sudden you look at it later and they lose at home to Virginia. They play a close game against Wake Forest at home. And the eye test is really like maybe the win against Kentucky was just a lucky close win earlier in the season. And now Kentucky's kind of rounded into a better form. And so his Kansas and Kansas really has looked near unbeatable since the win or since the loss uh, against Kentucky, they've looked really, really good. And overall, there's a lot of things with resumes here that are hard to judge. There are a lot of teams, Providence and Wisconsin, the most notable examples that, according to some metrics, are bad teams, or not bad teams, but, you know, low-level seven or eight-seed tournament teams. But then to other metrics than just that straight-up record and resume alone, if you ignore the margin of victory, their victories are very good, including Providence's win over Wisconsin on the road. But over, and by the way, they also have a win against Texas Tech, which should be worthy of mentioning. But it's just that when you keep going down the resume, you see, okay, these wins are close. They're ugly, especially for Providence, who have won pretty much every game by single digits. Um, and then, you know, Ken Palm, Sagarin, the net, they all hate that kind of thing because they take into account the scoring margin, whereas... I honestly think the committee will stray away from it a little bit, and they'll see the fact that Providence is, what, 21-3 and now in the Big East, second place only to Villanova, and I think they'll keep them probably closer to where I have them than, than where you have them. And honestly, look at the eye test. All of these teams have their weaknesses. Yeah, and frankly, doing a top 16 at this point in time, even if there, this was what the committee thought the final top 16 was, say, your rankings, not necessarily how people are going to get seated because 
they have to make sure that certain teams from certain conferences don't don't match up against each other. For instance, the way both you and I have it, Texas Tech and uh, Baylor, if you go according to the S-curve, that would be the 2-3 matchup in a region. So Well, they, they're not going to do that, obviously, and they, they always change, but they, they never have it in a straight-up S-curve because no, it's impossible. Course. And also, if you look at it, I have to mention the fact that before we even get near the tournament, i got to say, Gonzaga is going to have another easy road again because they're going to make the West full of West Coast teams because they actually have quality teams in the West. And they might end up, if you were if you were to look at it the way that you have it, they would end up having the worst two seed. They would end up having the second worst three seed and probably the worst or the second worst four seed all in their bracket all at once because they'd probably end up with UCLA, Texas Tech, and Houston or Texas there. So it, it might favor Gonzaga again. I hope my I hope your bracket might be true and that maybe Kansas sneaks in there instead so they have a little bit of a tougher two seed, but it's kind of what happened with Gonzaga last year where they ended up with Iowa there and then, you know, Iowa lost earlier and they had Kansas there too who didn't look great at the end of the season and lost David McCormick for COVID. So there are a lot of reasons why Gonzaga gets an easier bracket and this is one of them because they're on the West and the West hasn't had great teams. And uh, honestly, if you look at it again, it's kind of it's kind of splitting up this way. I feel like Auburn might end up with the toughest bracket as a one seed because they're going to get a lot of the South teams. They're going to get big 12 teams. They might even get some SEC foes in there too. So uh, they'll, they'll have a tough bracket. You never really know. But I think, honestly, Gonzaga, regardless of if you have them one or two now, which I think almost everybody has them one, at least from a resume standpoint, they're going to win out and they're probably going to stay ahead of Auburn because Auburn will probably lose another game. And if Auburn doesn't lose another game, then they'll be ahead of Gonzaga by the end of the season. Okay, well, that wraps up our look at, uh, well, our look ahead at what we think the top 16 teams should be in the upcoming NCAA reveal of their committee's view of the top 16 seeds right now, which will come on Saturday. Uh, But that ends this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, February 21st, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and have our weekly deep dive into the NBA. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his weekend predictions that were posted Thursday, an updated NCAA basketball tournament bracket, which is posted on Saturdays, and his article predicting the regular season champions of every conference in college basketball. All that content at our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.